Hello, this is Brother Simmons. I'm from uh, Leading the Leaders. Uh, and throughout the week, we have a podcast that's concentrated on leadership. But on Sunday, we have one that's concentrated on the Word of God. Uh, each Sunday, we do our alone uh, interactive type uh, Bible study, which means you will hear other voices on the recording besides my own. But we look to explore an options of the Bible um, where all leadership principles uh, are arrived from. Uh, so we want to invite you uh, each Sunday here uh, to join us and have your Bibles with you. And we will open up what the Word of God says so that we have a closer walk with Jesus and have a a more form understanding of the Word of God. So welcome and thank you for listening. We thank God for another day that he has allowed us to take part in the Word that he has given us to lead and guide us. We ask that we just not listen to the Word, but we also let it lead and guide us. And right now we open it. We pray that God will open our hearts and our minds to what the Word has to say. And with all these things in His precious Son, Jesus' name, we pray. Thank God. Amen. So we have before us, we're going to go back into Genesis again, uh, but which is customary, we're going to go and do the questions of the week that we had and find out what it is. Most, For the most part, though, the questions that we have are just review questions for the most part. We will dive into uh, a little something a little different here. Um, so first, let's go to, it says, what sanctifies a person who has become a believer? So what sanctifies a person who has become a believer? Sanctifies a person who has become a believer. Hey, what is that? Is that Ukraine? No, I don't know. Huh? Oh. Um, my answer was kind of like messed up, but is it their faith in God? Yeah, well, since this is Bible study, you guys should have gotten this from the Bible. So what scripture, if you say it's faith in God, what scripture are you using that says it's faith in God? I got it. I put Acts 26, 18. 
Acts 26.18. Okay, let's go there then. Let's see what Acts Acts twenty six sixteen. No, sir, Acts 20, wait, Acts 26, 18. 18, to open their eyes and turn to them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan and the God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Yeah, but, what are you guys Googling, um, the uh, the, the questions or whatever. Look, well, we don't have that much of time, so let's find the right answer. So let's go to um, let's go to John seventeen sixteen. Okay. Let's go to John seventeen sixteen. Over there? Okay, what does John seventeen sixteen says? Okay. They are not they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. This is Jesus. Okay. Go ahead down. Okay. Thy truth thy word is true and thou hast sent me into the world. Even so, I even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Okay, so what sanctifies them? Um, Jesus Christ. No, you just read it. What sanctifies them? Truth. The truth is what sanctifies believers from the world. That's what does it. That's why we was talking about truth for this so so many long times. And the reason being because according to Jesus, he says that he sanctified to surprise the people that are his, not of the world. He says they are not of the world as I am not, not in the world. And what they're saying is this is thy truth. That word is truth. The truth is what sanctifies us from the world. That's the thing that 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 we got to understand, and that's why. Yes, sixteen. I like to get the content of it or whatever. What he's talking about. The seventeen is he sanctified us. Thing now there now we understand. There's more when the Bible speaks of sanctification. There's more than one sanctification that it's talking about. For example. Jesus, once you're in Jesus, you're sanctified, okay? That means set apart, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a sanctification process that we have aside from being sanctified in Jesus. When you get sanctified in Jesus, that's a one-time act. 
But if you're going to operate in sanctification, you're going to have to do it in the truth. The truth is a thing which is going to sanctify you from the world. What is it the world don't want today? They don't want the truth. What do they want? They want their form of truth. Yep, and then you can see, like, Exodus 31, 13 might have an example of sanctification. Go to 1 Corinthians 1 and 30. Well, actually, go to first, no, go to 1 Corinthians 1 and 2 first. 1, 2, then we go 1, 30. But so, so 1 Corinthians, right, 1 and 2. So what does it say? Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, do the will of God, and 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 what subsidies? Yeah, subsidies, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at the the what's the word I have to ask? Huh? I said, what's the word after it is unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, um, to them that is sanctified from Jesus Christ, called to be saved, with all that in, in place of every place called upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, for them and all. Okay, so he says unto the church of Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, which means not everybody is sanctified in Christ Jesus. If he's saying to them, that means he's setting, he's setting aside a certain group of people he's saying that he's talking to. So he's actually not talking to everybody. Remember we talked about it when the, when the death of Stephen, the stoning of Stephen in Acts, was because Stephen simply said that from the beginning, God only deals with a remnant. So even though there's a called-out group, there's another group that's called out again, okay? So we gotta, we got to understand that what sanctified us from the world is the truth. Once you leave the truth, you are just like the world. You're no different. Once you leave the truth, you've left sanctification, and you are no longer abiding in the truth. And all, by the way, you're not abiding in the spirit either. Okay? So that was what? That was um that was um first Corinthians um one two, right? But what about um one thirty? I'm there. Go ahead and read that. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Okay. So what did he give us? Wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Okay. That's, that's quite a ball of wax there. I wonder why we don't use it. I wonder why we don't use that, though, since it says that it's been given to us. Hmm. 
I wonder why we don't use it. Hmm? Yeah, but not many. Most Christians run around in in a stupor and stuff like that, but he's given us certain things or whatever. That's why I think I told you guys yesterday, if you want to be wise, it's because you need to study the Bible. You need to study the person of Jesus. You need to study who God is. That's what you do. It's because who God has made unto us wisdom. That means you have access to wisdom. What kind of wisdom? Not earthly wisdom, right? You have, you have access to godly wisdom and righteousness. You have access to it because you're not righteous. Remember we talked about it. You and yourself are not righteous. Matter of fact, here's a question that I didn't put down, but I'm going to ask it now because I don't think a lot of people understand this concept. When you get saved, because I told this off of, I think it was the Internet, and this is about sanctification, and I want you to see something here. It says, it says, sanctification is the renewal of, of our fallen nature by the Holy Spirit received through faith in Jesus Christ, whose blood of atonement cleansed from all sins, whereby we are not only delivered from the guilt of sin, but we are washed from its pollution, saved by its power, and are enabled through grace to love God. Okay? Now let me ask you a question. Is that, a, is that a good definition of sanctification, what I just read? It says sanctification no. is, the, is the renewal of a fallen nature by the Holy Spirit received through faith in Christ, whose blood of atonement cleansed us from all sins, whereby we are not only delivered from the guilt of sin, but we are washed from its pollution, saved by its power, and are able through grace to love God. So is that an accurate Description of sanctification. If you say no, why are you saying no? I'm saying no because I think that using some of the, um, well, let me check the Bible. Now you're going to check the Bible? After he starts talking, you should have checked the Bible first, right? Before you come to a conclusion, you should have a biblical reason why you're saying, if you're saying no, why is that not a good definition? So who else said no? I, I said no. Okay, why is that a no? Because, because you, in, in what you read, it just sounded like they were, it just it didn't sound right. Okay, but I need a biblical reason why, because you should not formulate opinions based off of what you think or how you feel or whatever. It has to be biblically documented if you're going to base it on the Word of God. Let me tell you guys, because we're running short on time and i got to get some places. This is wrong, and the reason why it says sanctification is the renewal of a fallen nature by the Holy Spirit. That's not true. Did you guys know that? Right, because it's a, it's, a, it's a separation. Huh? It's a separation. Right. It's a separation. God gives you a new nature. Oh. When, when you're born, you're, you're spiritually dead, are we not? Yes. So what is the thing that God implanted in us that can obey the word of God? It's not your old nature. Right. 
the Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus, we have two natures. The only problem with our nature is one of the natures we have is totally deprived of God. It's called the flesh. It only want to do the things that please the flesh. Remember we talked about it. Apostle Paul said what? The flesh cannot please the will of God. It's not possible. So therefore, sanctification is not me taking my own nature and changing it to a, good, to a new nature. That's when people get that, oh, as a, as a Christian, from time to time you're going to sin because they're trying to say that they have a nature that's being converted to a better nature. That's not true. What's born of flesh is flesh, and what's born of spirit is spirit. The thing that God planted into you is what? The seed of the spirit. Uh-huh. No. No, we, we're explaining this answer. See what I'm saying? Because you don't, have, you don't have one nature that's being transformed. What it is, if you understand your person, you have a, you have a flesh, right? You have a soul, which is your personality. That's who you really are, right? And then you have a spirit. If you've been born again, you have the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, remember the Apostle Paul said what? It says that, that there's a war going on. What war going on? It's between the flesh and the spirit. To control the soul. That's what people say, my soul is saved. Your soul is not saved. Your soul is your personality. It is trying to be influenced by two different things. It's trying to be controlled by the flesh, and then it's also trying to be controlled by the spirit. How would you feed into whichever one is going to actually control the soul? If you feed into your flesh, that nature has not gone anywhere. It's still there. But see, what you're supposed to be doing, you're supposed to be feeding the spirit, and therefore the spirit will then flavor the soul. Because that new nature is the only part of you that can obey God. Your flesh cannot. And now, by the way, your flesh don't even want to obey God. Because it was what? It was born in sin. It's a sinful flesh. And that's why we got to have a new body. Okay? So we got to understand Huh? So sanctification is not being transformed. It is a new, taking on a new nature. When, when you get saved, you take on a new nature. Remember? The, uh-huh. the apostle Peter said that you have what? You've been given... Pressing promises. He said, we, we can take on the very nature of God. But what has not, when we talked about this before, the dead man is dead when you, when you come to Christ. The problem is all those strongholds remain. And if you don't tear them down, it's going to continue to flavor what? Your soul. And your soul is who you actually are. It's who you are. So what's really being converted is actually your soul. Because if the spirit that God gave you is not perfect, it didn't come from God. But what it is, is in what? It's an infant, it's an infant form. Remember, we talked about it. Everything God gives you is in an infant form when it comes down to the spirit. It's not fully grown. That's why the Bible tells us how to grow, how to take over the soul with the spirit, not with the flesh. So even though I might have come to Christ, I could keep feeding my flesh. I'm going to be at best a fleshy, a fleshy Christian because 
even though I say I believe in Christ, I won't be doing the things of Christ because any time I let the Spirit, every time I feed the Spirit, it's going to get more control over my soul. And that's why you got Christians that cannot follow the will of God because they refuse to feed the Spirit that they've been implanted in them. And remember, it has to come from above. Isn't that what Jesus told Nicodemus? He said, you must be born again or born from above. That's a new nature that's inside of you now. Anytime you have an inkling or you have something that you want to do for God, okay, not through the flesh, but through the word, that's the Holy Spirit. Because that's not the spirit you were born with. Because you were born with the flesh trying to dominate your soul. Matter of fact, the flesh did dominate your soul. And not only that, you got some of your um, some of your forefathers that have planted stuff in you with iniquity still still uh, is still there. It hasn't gone anywhere yet. So when the spirit, when we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we're supposed to seek out and destroy what the strongholds that's been keeping us from serving God, because we are fighting for our soul. We're fighting for control of the soul. And that's how you know if a person's truly saved or not when they look. When you look at what they're doing versus what they used to do, but then when they're actually feeding the spirit, because it's because it's a plan. And that's why I keep saying you got to have a strategy to serve God because you just simply say I'm going to be a good Christian. You think the devil don't think you want to become a better Christian? Absolutely, he does. And you don't think he has a plan? Absolutely, he does. If you, don't, if you don't involve Jesus and God in it, guess what that plan is not going to come to? It's not going to come to fruition because why? Because you cannot beat Satan by yourself. It's not possible. So this is the problem that we have many times when we look at Christians and they're simply defeated. I could go to church for 10,000 years. I can study scripture for 10,000 years. I can pray until my knees are, can't bend anymore. It will not mean anything until I stop feeding the nature that God has implanted in us. It's all the way through Scripture. But we really taught on this. We're taught more likely what that definition I read you, that I'm trying to convert my own my old spirit, I mean that old flesh, fleshly nature, into doing good, and it cannot. It absolutely cannot do it. It will not do it. And the only thing it does, it tricks us for a minute. Because why? Satan is controlling it, and he's deceiving us. You cannot get your flesh to convert to a better nature. What did Jesus say? Jesus says that corrupt fruit cannot bring forth good fruit. Neither can good fruit bring bring forth corrupt fruit. There's two different natures inside of you. Once you believe, and you believe in your heart, and you're with a contrived heart, and you say, God, I know what you said is absolutely correct. I cannot save myself. I need help. I'm going to believe what your son did on the cross. It was complete. And if I believe that in my heart, the Bible says that I'm saved. Satan immediately going to come and tell you that you're not saved because you're still going to have some of that old nature inside of you because it didn't go anywhere. The residue of it is still existing. You have the ability to then follow the will of God if you have faith in him. 
Okay? So I want to get that straight. I want to get that perfectly, honestly, where we can understand that that's why it's absolutely imperative that you feed the spirit every single day. We as Christians spend too much of time feeding our flesh, and therefore we are making the flesh stronger than it has to be because it's been defeated. But if you don't do it God's way, it means you're doing it your way. And when you do it your way, you're going back to the old man and his ways. And he's dead, by the way. What it means is, what does it mean that it says he's dead? What, what, is, what is death in the Bible? It's separation. Before, you didn't have separation from the old man. When you have a new nature, you have a nature you can follow now which is going to follow Christ, It's going to follow God. Previous to that time, it was impossible for you to follow God. Why do you think all these religions like Catholics and like you have these guys that are going into the monks, um, these monasteries and these people, and then they're doing all these horrible things to young kids? It's because they're trying to take their flesh and convert it to do good things, and it absolutely cannot do it. It's not possible, okay? Everybody's clear on that, right? Yes. Yeah. You clear? Did I use scripture? Yes. I didn't give you the scripture, but it's in the scripture. The Apostle Paul says that there's a war going on, right? The Bible mentions that we cannot take our flesh and then do the things that God has called us to do because God is a spirit. and if we worship him, we must do it in spirit and in truth, okay? So don't believe the concept that in the sanctification, I'm converting my old nature, because that would mean we have righteousness. See, that's where we get it confused at. There's no righteousness in us at all. It's righteousness where? In Christ Jesus, which is a nature that we're supposed to take on, which God implanted. It has to be an implantation from God. That's why you and I didn't come to Christ. He had to come to us. Because if he didn't come to you, you may not be there yet. Okay, now the second question says, in sanctification, we are separated from, we are separated from and saved into. Okay, so what are we separated from and what are we saved into? I have two answers there. Okay, you should have two answers there. Go. What is it? <laughs> well, I have two answers. Because I was thinking about it, and I actually want to ask the professional, okay? <clears throat> Okay, so what's your answer? I'm separated from the world and saved in the Christianity. And then my second answer was, we are separated from the world and saved into the truth. Okay. That sounds good. Partly. Okay, but now let's define the world, though, okay? We're actually separated from sin, okay? All right? When you take on Christ, you have the ability to do what now? You have the ability to not sin. In your flesh, you did not have that possibility. Even if you thought you were doing right, you were actually still doing wrong. Okay? And I would buy into what you're saying. We are actually saved into the truth. Okay? But who is the truth? That's Christ Jesus. Many Christians think they're saved and that's it. They just saved, and that's all it is. So guess what? They don't have any idea of how to get and do the things of God. 
okay, which is, is, is tragic because God didn't save you just for you to sit around and do nothing. We'll discuss that here in a little later. I got to go on because he's almost out of the first half of the thing. All right, so now we went to the, the third question. Name three signs. We covered six that we, that we are hearing the voice of God. What are three signs that we know that we're hearing the word of God? Now, we gave six, and I didn't, you didn't have to go into the scriptures. This is just a quick review so we know when we hear the voice of God, okay? So when we hear the voice of God, what is one thing that we always know that God comes in? He comes in peace, okay? That's one. God never communicates fear. That's two. So any message of fear did not come from God, okay? Three, God never communicates that we must make decisions in a rush, okay? That's Satan that wants you to rush and make decisions because he do not want you to consult with the word of God, not with your spirit. That's a, that's a thing that a lot of us think that we have a righteous spirit so we can consult with ourselves. No. God always communicates a positive message, even in judgment. Even in judgment. When the children of Israel were being judged because they were they was walking through the desert for 40 years, what happened to their shoes? They lasted the entire 40 years. What happened to their clothes? Their clothes last the whole duration. I bet you like to shop at that store, right? No, that was the imposition of God, okay? Even though they were being judged by God, he still fed them in the wilderness. So the message God has is always a positive message. Who always has a, a message who's full of doubt and negativity is Satan. So when you hear that nonsense, you know that's not of God. God never communicates a message contrary to his word. That's why you and I have to know the word, because God is never going to tell you anything that's contrary to the word he's laid down, because if he did, he'd be telling you to do what? To believe a lie, if he's the truth, which is why he never communicates any messages that contradict his word. If, if you're reading the Bible and it seems like it's contradicting itself, you need a greater understanding of what you're reading, because that will never happen. Okay? All right? And then lastly, God will never communicate a message outside of his nature or character. Okay? If you know the nature of God and the character of God, God never operates outside of it. That's why you and I cannot change God's will and change the word of God or change God's mind. Okay? For him to adopt something that you and I believe <laughs> that he didn't think of, would mean he would have to change his nature and his character. And all by the way, it means he would have to agree that he made a mistake, which is not going to happen. All right? So those are one of the, any one of those will work. But those are six things we know. It's more than that. But we, those are six signs that you're hearing from God. All right? Now, name three verses here that, that, that I put down. We covered six when we went over this. You might have found more than this, but three verses that you have that, that God totally opposes abortion in any kind. Not, not if you got raped, not if it was incest, 
Because you, did you know if you chase the lineage, the um, the genealogy and the lineage of Jesus, do you know that incest is in his in his line? Did you guys know that? In Genesis, when Judah slept with with Tamar, Tamar is his daughter-in-law. And who did Tamar had? Tamar had Phineas. And, and, and Phineas is one of the people, I mean, excuse me, Phares. And Phares is one of the people that in the Bible is in the line of Jesus. He was a baby from incest. But she didn't abort him. Okay? So God, because all life is sacred, don't care how, under the circumstances that you're conceived because you're still made in his image. Okay? So let me give you guys what my answers were. And if you had answers, if not uh, the right answers, you can jot these down. Psalms 22.9 was one. Psalms 139.13 was another one. Job 10.8 was another one. Isaiah 49 and 1 was another one. Jeremiah 1, 3 and 4 was another one. And Galatians 1 and 15 was another one. Okay? You have somebody and you're talking to them and they start talking to you about how they believe that it's a woman's right to, to kill a baby, basically is what they're saying, or to board a cow, you tell them to go to the Bible. Let me give you some verses you can read. Because the first thing you should establish, first of all, do you believe the Bible? Are you standing on the Bible? If you establish the are, say, okay, read these and see how either your, what you believe is going to change, or either you're going to convert to who you're really following. That would be the devil. Because when you stand on the word of God, it should change you. All right? The next one is, we, let's go back to Genesis 4 and 9 where it states, I am my brother's keeper. But I want to explain this a little deeper. Do we understand what this is really actually saying? This is a great principle put down in, in, in the Old Testament that's moved forward to the New Testament. Okay? So what does it mean when God asks Cain and well, no. God asked him where his brother is. He comes back and says, am I my brother's keeper? And I, I think last time we said, yes, he is. Okay? Yes, he is. But you, do you guys understand the magnitude of what this is really saying, though? What this is really saying in the New Testament it is expanded upon. Okay? It is expanded upon. What we don't get from this passage of Scripture is that as a Christian, we are directly responsible for the well-being of others, and that's not others that are related to you. Okay? God has given you and I the mantle that we're directly, not indirectly, we're directly, we're directly responsible for the well-being of others and not just our immediate family members. Now, it certainly should start there, but it should extend way past that. How do you know? Go to Matthew 25. Go to Matthew 25, 
And let's see what the Bible says about this. Because I don't think we get this principle at all. I think we just run around in our little Christian circles trying to do the best we can, praying to God for blessings. But the whole while, God had called us out for a reason. So we there, Matthew 25? 25.1? No, 25.31. Go to Matthew 25.31. Okay, I'm there. All right, what we got? When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Go ahead. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. Okay, go ahead. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Okay, go ahead. You're going down to 40. Okay. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hunger, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in, per- I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous okay, answer him. Hold on, hold on. Now, this is the highlight. Look at what it says in 37. Go. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and, and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we okay, thee... When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Okay? That is what Jesus is saying. Okay? When you've done this to the least of me, you've also done it unto him. God in the Old Testament, asked the question of Cain, were we our brother's keeper? And or that's what his question was to God. Am I my brother's keeper? God said, yes, you are. In the New Testament, we expand upon it and see that according to how we're going to be judged, because this is a judging of nations, if you read what it says, it says that the people that are righteous, they're going to say, when do we do these things? He said, well, when you did it to the least of them, you were doing it to me. Hey, please sit down. Just sit down. So when you did it to the least of me, you've done it unto me. So if you did not do it to the least of you, them, guess what? You didn't, did it, you didn't do it for him. Because we love to help people that we can get what? something back from. We love to help people that we're going to get recognition from. But if you understand the righteous here that he's talking about, they are doing this because they love God, not because they were were going to get seen, not because they they were going to be in life, and apparently it wasn't their family members. 
So we are directly responsible for others. And this is how we're going to be judged again. Okay? Now, the, the other one says, this is the last question. What, which book of the Bible is written on, in order for a slave to return to his master? Okay, what should this teach us today about the slavery concept? Okay? Um, so which book of the Bible is written for a slave to re, be returned to his master? Solomon. Who? Solomon. Solomon. No, I have to say that. Okay, Trileman. Yeah. Trileman was written to return a slave. That whole that whole letter, the Apostle Paul, I mean, the Apostle Paul wrote in order for the master to take him back. Okay? Because he was appealing to him because apparently the guy was a Christian. Oh, wait a minute though. How could he be a Christian? And have slaves. Oh. <laughs> I'm just, I just want to know. It's in the Bible. We don't ever talk about it, but we probably should. Because apparently he's not talking about you shouldn't own slaves. What, what is, today, if we were a Christian, what would be right? You know you ain't supposed to have no slaves. You know that ain't God's will. <laughs> but let me ask you a question. If you are if you are a boss, are you a form of a of a form of a master? If you're a what? If you're a boss, if you if you're a supervisor, aren't are you a form of a master? Yeah. You mm-hmm. would be considered in, in Bible times. Yeah. But the only difference between then and now is that we call our employment we call it employment instead of having a master, but it's still a master. If you don't go to work, you don't get paid, right? <laughs> so, but no, but you notice the Apostle Paul, though, is not speaking to this guy about he shouldn't be doing what he's doing. He's well within his rights. Because who God really don't believe in is when you enslave another person. Okay? What does it talk about us having businesses in the Bible? Doesn't it say that we're supposed to not be the, we're supposed to be the borrowers, not the lenders? And then the Bible says something about that? That yeah, only means that you own a business. Because it tells you how to treat people when you own a business. This is a golly, there's a golly thing you're supposed to do to the people that's underneath you. That's clear from Scripture. So how do we get to all forms of slavery and all forms of servitude where I'm under a person that that's evil? No, me treating them not like they are created in the image of God is was evil. So I don't beat on them. I don't rape them. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't do all those horrible things to them. Okay? But that's, that's a part of the misconcept, though, that slavery in itself is saying. Because guess what? Did, did, did the Jews have slaves? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had slaves. If you read the Bible, they call them bonds women. Even in Egypt, they had slaves. The thing that they were wanting to get escaped from, they were doing them. You read, you read Jacob, uh, you go to Genesis and read what it says about Jacob having women. Two of the women that he had children with wasn't his wives. 
They were bond women. They were the servant of his wives. So they all do other scriptures. I don't know where we get this concept from, okay? But our concept should fall underneath Romans 13. This is what we should think about it, right? Go to Romans 13, 1 and 2. We've talked, we talked about this before, but it's worthy talking about again. Because the Bible says certain things, and it don't mean when you approve of somebody, then you can do this, and when you don't approve of somebody, you, you don't have to do it. Because when you're doing that, you're proclaiming that you have righteousness inside you because you're not following the Bible, by the way. You're not following the Word of God. Read it. There? Romans there. 13. Okay, what we got? Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are, be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Okay, so it don't matter what you say, the Bible says that those powers to be, God has ordained them. And when you say, just like you can go back to the book of Jacob, I mean of Job, if you say that this ain't right, what God is doing, you're saying you're right. You're saying God is wrong and I'm right, which we know it can't be true. There's no way that can be true, okay? So we're going to move on because I'm trying to get to a little part of Genesis, the second thing here. All right, so when, let's go to Genesis 2 real quick. Well, you know what? Let me go back, though. I wanted to do a review for Genesis 1, but I want to capture one thing that, because I'm always key on what we're teaching our young people. I'm always trying to key on that. Let's go and consider Genesis 1, okay? One of the commandments that God gave to Adam and Eve, right? Um, and let me find it. Well, actually, I don't have to find it. We just talked about the concept of it. In Genesis, God tells Adam and Eve to do what? He tells them to be fruitful and multiply, right? Uh-huh. All right. So when God tells them to be fruitful and multiply, and he tells them to do what? Replenish. He says Re- replenish the earth. Okay, and we talked about that, I think, last time, how that's how when Nimrod led his rebellion against God, it was because he was following the, he was doing the exact opposite of what the Bible said, okay? But now, one of the things I do, because we've missed this concept, okay, many people today say that the world is overpopulating itself, okay? Y'all know that? Uh-huh. That's, that's a lot of that. Oh, yeah, because Bill Gates is one. He... Well, a lot of people, just like, you know, for example, in China, you know, they can only have so many children. Right. And that whole concept is that, 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 that they're saying that they don't want to overpopulate the world, basically. Or in this fit, in this thing, their country, okay? But we got people in the U.S. believing the same nonsense that we should not 
keep having all the children that we're having because the resources of the world is going to run out, just like they fear what? Oh, the trees are going to disappear. Well, you didn't make a tree. You didn't make one tree. You didn't make one tree. God says for us in Genesis 1 and 28, he told what? He said he told them, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. Let's fill it up again. Fill it up again is what, he, what the commandment he gave them. But then you got people today that saying that that we should not replenish the earth. Okay? What they're missing is what? They're missing two concepts that we talked about before, and that's the sovereignty of God, and then what? The providence of God. Okay? If God can feel, feed the whole world for millions and millions and millions of years, what he's going to he's going to he's going to cease being God in the future, what he won't replenish and won't provide for all the earth. Do you know you you don't eat one meal without God's approval? Not one. So that's a concept that we have sort of we we sort of sidetracked. Matter of fact, have you ever noticed that when we now look at we now look at what the world is happening and what's going on in the world. One of the concepts that the devil has tricked Christian folks to believe in is that we don't mention Satan. Have you ever noticed that? It's like we're acting as if Satan doesn't exist. Uh-huh. There, there's no speaking. I mean, and this is in church circles. The church circles, when they talk about Satan and about the devil, it's like he's a playmate. Uh-huh. This nonsense about, no, I'm going to put the devil underneath my feet and stomp on him. Okay, read in the Bible where it says anything about you stomping on the devil. Not because when, 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 when Gabriel and Satan was disputing for the body of Moses, he respected Satan. You read what it says, what the Bible says about that. He says, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. That's not saying, I'm going to put you underneath my feet and I'm going to stump you. Because if you know if you know anything about the Bible, it ain't possible for you and I to stop the devil. Okay. Jesus defeated him. We did not. And Jesus don't tell us to act unseemly because we're supposed to operate with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But, th- but today in these times, Christian people are not acknowledging who he is, Satan that is. So then it becomes this, this, this force out there that's just doing stuff, and so the only thing we got to do is do what we want to do, and then we'll we are beat that force. No. The Apostle Paul told us in Ephesians 6 that we are, we are fighting against wickedness in high places. Which means we cannot defeat these things, and we cannot defeat the devil. Okay, but let's go into Genesis two, and I think did we get our foot in the door? I thought we had. Um, I thought we talked about the heavens, and I think we stopped that. We were going into what it meant for Eve to be a helpmeet, but I think we'd already talked about 
makes me sit up, so I'm going to, I'll do this real quick. So we already said that there's, in, for, in Genesis 1, there's only one mention of heaven. In Genesis 2, it says heavens. From here on out, it's heavens. Okay, we said there's three heavens. Okay? And then we also talked about how on the seventh day that God rested from his works, and he sanctified that day. And then we also spoke on how that's why they went into captivity when they did not keep the Sabbath day. And they wasn't keeping the Sabbath year. So they were supposed to plant for six years, and on the seventh year, they weren't supposed to plant. The the fields were supposed to lay dormant. And they weren't doing that, okay? Because why? They, They became greedy. And you know they were greedy because according to the Bible, in the sixth year, God gave them enough to last for actually two years. So that didn't stop them. They still actually did another year, that seventh year. So they did not give the land to rest, and God said the land is going to rest. Now, all the other stuff they were doing helped them alone, but this is directly why it was 70 years that they were going to be in captivity. Okay? And I think then we spoke about how when you get out of of slavery, just like when the children of Israel was in Egypt, they did not have the ability to get out of that place by themselves. Okay? Just like here in America, we did not get out of slavery by ourselves. It was an interposition of God. God is the only one who can take people out of slavery. Okay? If you ever read any time there was a, uh, a group of people that was trying to fight the people they were enslaved into, and they had a movement, the movement ended, ended badly. Okay? I don't care what they tell you in the storybooks. You go back to your history, those things ended badly, okay? And so then we also said that he brought them out on the eagle's wings, okay? So now let's go down to, and I'm not doing verse by verse, but it's some things I'm going to capture in Genesis 2. Let's go to Genesis 2, 15. And I don't know if we covered this. If it's not, then it will be reviewed. It says, and the Lord took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it, to keep it, okay? So even though we said that this was a perfect place on earth, and remember we talked about it, the earth wasn't even, the the water was coming up from the ground. It's like a mist that would water the whole, so it was no rain yet. So it was absolutely perfect. But God gave Adam a job, okay? We said today God never, ever, Bless someone that's being lazy, okay? And then we talked about the fruit of the tree that was in the midst of the garden, okay? And we said that there were two trees there, okay? What Satan did, in which you're going to find out in Genesis 3, he got them to fixate on the tree that God told them not to mess with. And we also explained why God told them not to mess with that tree. Okay? Because once they did, they would have to be judged accordingly to the knowledge that they had of good and evil. Okay? So this is why Satan got them to fixate on that. Now, let's go to 18, and we'll spend the balance of the time, which is not very long, on verse 18. And the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him and help me. Okay? Now, this Church has probably been one of the most abused, most misunderstood scriptures in the Word of God. All right? Why then is a question 
Why is God saying it's not good for man to be alone? Have you ever wondered that? Huh? Well, I, I was, well, every other, everything else he created, he, he um, gave, it was male and female. I mean, he, of everything he created. And they could procreate, they could procreate, but what, what man wouldn't have been able to not procreate, but yeah. They can have children or whatever, but man, be reproduced. The man wouldn't have been able to do that if it was just him. Okay, but that's not why God said that, though. So why did God say it was not good for man to be alone? You know, by the way, the answer is never going to be about man or about animals. It's going to be about God. (laughs) Because he couldn't, uh, man couldn't fulfill um, one of the things that God wanted us to do, that he told us to do, to be fruitful. No, because remember, in Genesis 2, they're explaining what he's already done in Genesis 1, basically, is what he's doing. He's right. just breaking it down how he did it. But look, this is it because we don't have a whole lot of time. The reason why God said it's not, it says, and the Lord God said it's not good for man to be alone, when Genesis first opens up, how is God introduced to us? What, what is it that he said? Huh? And us. And three. Us. Plural, more than one. Elohim is plural form of the word God, right? So El oh. is, is, is when he says El, that's God, okay? But that's a singular form of that word. When you put Elohim behind it, that's the plural form of, of God. So what do we first introduce is the family of God, okay? So God is not alone. If he created man in his own image, right, uh, in his own yeah. image, he's going to give him attributes that's related, directly related to him. God is saying, hey, listen, I'm going to make you a family just like I am a family. You are introduced to the family of God in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? So this is why he says it's not good for man to be alone because he wants God wants him to be like him, which means he would have a family. Now, when it talks about being that I will make a, that it says it's not good for him to be alone, I will make him and, and help me for him, okay? Now, what's the help me? Is this a servant? No. Is this a slave? <laughs> Oh, yeah. no. Is this a person you can beat around? Is that what that's what he gave Adam? Gave somebody he no. could kick around? He's a sidekick. 
is none of the above. Okay? Matter of fact, a help meet that he says that he will make him a help meet for him, it means suitable for him. It means equal to him. Okay? That's what that means. So all this concept about, oh, you know, um, you know, the Bible says that I'm supposed to um, subdue um, my wife. And all by the way, when you go back, and we didn't get into that, but if you actually read what that says in the Hebrew, that actually means you're supposed to, you're supposed to, you're supposed to indeed have them come to an agreement, but it doesn't mean necessarily forceful. It means that you actually do it through leadership. That's what it really means. It means it means you get them to do something that they more, might not ordinarily wanted to do, but you do it through actually persuasion, not necessarily force. Okay, but this person that he gives, or what have you, though they they're not equal in position, they're equal in being. Right. Because uh-huh. how do we know? Because even though God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit is equal in being, in positions there are, right? Because right. God the Son is subordinate to God the Father. Even though he says in the Word that he, is, he has all the attributes of God the Father, which makes him God. All the attributes of, of God the Father, God the Son possess. But in his being, he's equal, but in his position, he's not. That's the same thing that we have in Eve. Because where did God make Eve from? He, she, he, he didn't make Eve out of something different than he made Adam. He took a rib from Adam, and he created Eve. So this is why we get all these misconcepts, because we're not going back to God. And we don't understand what it says in Genesis 1 when he's saying he created us, and he said he created us in his image. So Eve is not inferior to Adam. In position, though, she's subordinate to him. And that's a, and, and that's a cat that you can't fit back in the bag. If you look at the misplace of the man and the woman is why we got all these troubles that we have in the family structure. Because you can't tell a woman today that if she, if she, if she ain't doing X, Y, Z, oh, I ain't really a woman. You want me to be less than a woman. No, I want you to do what the Bible says. <laughs> what about that? But anyway, that's something, like I said before, that's not even widely taught in church services anymore. I mean, there's some people, now don't get me wrong, there's groups, and, and I mean, there's many, ain't, ain't a few, but the vast majority of people teach against this. And it's reading the scripture. Is running the scripture. There's no way God is going to set up a, a going to set up who He is in His structure, and then He says, "I'm going to make you my image, and you're going to get some of my attributes." And then His structure is different from from His structure. Uh-huh. He wouldn't have done that. And that's just common sense. 
You ain't even got to have the Holy Spirit to understand that. <laughs> that would be like me making something that's absolutely perfect, and then when I make something that I think going to be just like it, then I make it inferior. That makes no sense because it's, then it's not like it. Uh-huh. And that's not what God said. If you read what he said, okay? But this is what we got to understand. So when he says that he's going to create, uh, that he's going to make a help me for him, she's not inferior to him. She's subordinate to him. Is a difference. That means the man should not treat his wife inferior because that's not what God made him. Just like him, he was, she was made in the image of God. And that's how he's supposed to respect her and do certain things. And the Bible says that love word goes towards the man, and that respect word goes towards the female, towards man. And if you look at one thing that most females don't do is they do not respect their man. Even if they say they love him, they don't respect him. And that's the difference, by the way, because you're respecting their competence as what God called them to be, which is the head of that household. And like I said before, that is a cat that is hard to put back in the bag, especially if you believe that you have some righteousness in you and God had not struck you down yet. <laughs> so it would be okay to do. Okay, so that's as far as we're going to get. We'll, we'll, we'll go, um, I'm going to finish the rest of, uh, of Genesis 2, and then I want to try to get our foot in the door of 3, because we're going to be in 3 for a minute, because there's a lot of concepts in 3 that we need to uh, look at, okay? What questions do we have or um, comments do we have about anything that we discussed? So when we're talking about slavery and, uh, well, God being, God being the only one who can free slaves and continuing to what's going on in, in the world today and, well, always for black people, and isn't that like, that's like a slap in the face to God when it's almost like they're saying, God, you didn't do good enough when you freed us, freed, you know, African-Americans from slavery? Because it's like something well, that they always yeah, that's, that's all a made-up thing now because they ain't, we ain't no more enslaved than, than we want to be. I mean, you uh-huh. telling me in the U.S. you can't pretty much do anything you want to be? But when you want to break the law and say you're above the law, you ain't talking about freedom. You, you're talking about you want to be superior to these other people. You want to uh-huh. do the exact same thing you're charging them with that you're saying evil, but you want to do it. Uh huh. That's that. That's totally different, because it goes back to what it says in Romans 13. God says that He put, and that's why we talked about it. For example, I mean, come on, let's figure this out. What color is Adam and Eve, by the way? Because you read in the book or you see in the movie, and Adam and Eve is fair complexion. You know that's wrong, right? Yeah. Why do we know it's wrong? What does the word Adam even mean? Y'all know what the word Adam means? It means red. So it means red man. The Bible don't the Bible don't shy away from things. We won't learn the Bible. It means earth man or red man, so man from earth is a red man. 
what kind of what kind of what kind of dirt you gonna get that's fair color? Unless you're hanging out at the beach. And oh, by the way, more than likely, where was the Garden of Eden at? It wasn't in Europe. No, it's Africa, most likely. It most likely was in Africa, or some people say it might have been in Iran and whatever, but um, based off of the rivers. But if you know the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, which is in Genesis or what have you, that's in Africa, man. Yep. That's over that, that side of the world. But the, like I said before, when the world first opens up, black people are in charge. So we can say all this silly nonsense we want to about, oh, they're doing this. No, the only slave you we, you have in the U.S. now is we enslaving ourselves. Because once again, for example, let's suppose, let's take a silly subject like Black Lives Matter, okay? How in the world are you going to expect people to take you seriously about Black Lives Matter when you're killing your own people? you killing your own people. I'll be a fool to believe what you're saying. CJ tell me, hey, you know what? Gold matters, right? That's what he tell me. Then he's out spending gold foolishly. He's throwing it outside his car window. I don't think he's a fool. I'll be a fool to follow a fool. There's no way in the world nobody's going to take you seriously until you police up what you're doing. You're aborting babies at alarming rate talking about Black Lives Matter. You're a fool. You are absolute fool. That's what the Bible calls you. Ain't nobody outside your race going to take you seriously unless they're trying to get you to continue doing what you're doing. Why? Because you're, you're killing your own self. Until you stop killing your own self, I know you don't value your life. You can say whatever you want with your mouth, but people know that you're talking nonsense. At least they should. But who hadn't figured that out? We hadn't. We keep going to something that matters nothing. Oh, there's police brutality. Quit breaking the law. I had thousands of encounters, well, not thousands, but I had a lot of encounters with police. None of them went bad. And even jokers that didn't like me, it's clearly they didn't like me. But anyway... That's their biggest problem, though, is because they, they refuse to go back to what the Bible says. And I'm talking about the Christians. I understand the world being off the keister. I understand them being off the mark. But the, the church shouldn't be, and it is. The people that say they're following Christ, they are, because they left, they left the truth of the word of God. They, they do not want the truth. That's how they can promote a guy who, if you look at all his policies, when it gives God and call him godly. I had people tell me he was, a, he was sent from God. No, he was sent from your wicked finger voting for that joker. But God allows you to make your own mistakes, and then he honor what you say because you're created in his image. He gives us the ability to rule and make rules. But he says, then you're going to have to do what? You're going to have to live by those rules that you made. So all that stuff is made up, just like black people being mad about it. Well, you have to be mad about it. Please tell me. What in the world do you have to be mad about? God is giving you some of the things. The only way, just like in the garden, you have to keep looking at the tree you can't get and say, that's what I want. See, that's where anger and frustration and all that stuff come from. But it's not, it's not God doing it. And God gave, God gave us more than whatever 
you would have to adopt the principle that I'm a person, I am a, a race or a creed or whatever first, instead of saying that God comes first in order to adopt the message that God didn't free us from slavery completely. I mean, for goodness sake, you had a black joker that was a president. He got elected twice, and he wasn't even qualified. So all that other stuff is silly nonsense. You cannot do it. Matter of fact, you look at all the places that they call in their nightmare, who's running them? We are. We're the people running them. They look like us. Some of this systemic racism in the police department. Do you know how many police chiefs are black in this country? If it was systemic racism, that couldn't be. So that whole mess is, is messed up because it's based on a lie. Who wants you to do something based on a lie? Satan does. If you today in the U.S. do not want to be successful, it's because you don't want to do it. You want to make an excuse. Because you can have people that come from absolutely nothing make it in this country. But the but if you want to make excuses for, for why things are the way they are and, and blame everybody else, no, you're not going to be successful because that's not how you thrive in this country. You thrive in this country by actually getting off your duff and working. The same principle laid down in the Bible. You remember we talked about that. That's how this country was established. If you go back to um, the real meaning of Thanksgiving, it's about people working. That's what it's about. How did those colonies almost die out? Because they didn't want to work. When they made it, when they made it that you got to work in order to get the the food that you need, it thrived, and that's where we got Thanksgiving from, by the way. Real Thanksgiving. They gave thanks to God. But anyway, so all that nonsense though is nonsense. I mean, if you put it down into the biblical perspective, one God has freed us totally, freely. Okay. Just like with the Jews. Nobody was encapsulated in the Jews. Jews had it worse than we ever had it. Everywhere they go, they was enslaved. Because God said what? He was going to scatter them in the world. When he went into Russia, they was killed by the tons and thousands. We ain't kept we weren't kept in no concentration camps and then then trained off into these things where these big ditches and, and furnaces where they were burning us up. That never happened to us, but yet we still complain. About nothing, by the way. And who's complaining? Who's got the biggest voice? Joker's got making millions of dollars. <laughs> Talk about there's racism, and we ain't standing for it. It may be, but you're not. You're not enduring it. <laughs> but anyway, that, yeah, that whole that, but that whole thing is based on a lie, and that's why you always should go back to the genesis of what it is. I don't care what nobody called themselves or what they believe and all that good stuff. You should go back to where it starts at, and then you go from there, and you'll find out it's based on a lie that it came from the world, or from man, same difference. Okay? But then God did it completely. Who's had, who has not done it is we have not, we've, we lost our way because we think that we slave, we feed ourselves. We're not giving God the glory and the honor, so it's never going to be enough. Because you, if you listen to what these crackheads want, they want to be given everything. They don't want to work for nothing. Now read that. Somebody please read that in the Bible where God says that he promotes that kind of nonsense. Because I can show you where he doesn't. Okay? What other questions do we have?
<laughs> All right, nuns, and we're going to end the recording with a prayer. Our Father, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come take part in your word, Lord, we ask, as always, that you open our hearts and our minds to what your word is say, and that we just not just be heirs of the word, but we be doers of the word. And everywhere we go and everything we do, we give you the glory and the honor. And that means that we are our brother's keeper. And we thank you and we praise you in advance for all that you have done and all that you will do. In your precious son, Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Amen. Hello, and thanks for listening to our our podcast today. Uh, We really appreciate it. We hope that there was something said that would have you have a deeper walk with Jesus and your knowledge of God has been expanded based off of the Word of God. Um, Once again, this is Craig from Leading the Leaders. If you want to contact us about any of the uh, subject matter on this uh, podcast, you can do so by uh, looking us up on the web at leadingtheleadersllc.net, I would have you. And you can find many uh, things that you can enhance your leadership Uh, Also, if you want to uh, find out information or material that we covered during the podcast, once again, we thank you for listening. Uh, God bless.